Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Uh, if you've been tuning in for the last two, three, four weeks, you know what the subject is, artificial intelligence. Um, we're not doing this by accident. Um, we have an event coming up in a few weeks called Buildings AI uh, in Silicon Valley. We're bringing together some incredible people, both from the general AI community as well as the best, biggest thinkers in the built environment to talk about AI. And, and as a result of that, we decided to kind of make uh, the Realcom live theme for at least the last you know, three, four weeks about artificial intelligence, and as well as our, our webinar series, which started yesterday um, on, on AI. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal webinar. If you haven't watched it, go up to our website and look at it. It's up there. Um, great case studies, getting into some real detail, um, getting beyond just the hype. But that I've been really immersed in this for probably about six to eight weeks now, you know, trying to figure out first and foremost, what is real, what's not. There's a lot of big esoteric conversations going on, a, bit, you know, a lot of promises. Uh, is it real? Yes. Is it going to change the way we live, work, play? Yes. Is it here today? No. Okay. At least not at scale. And so when we dive down past the general artificial intelligence conversations and get into the build environment, now we have to get a little bit more uh, granular. Is that for construction? Is that for disposition and acquisition? Is it for asset management? Is it for property management? Is it for a smart building, the front end systems that run a building? There are probably 20, 30 different categories inside the built environment that you have to be very specific about when you want to start talking about applying it to AI. In today's conversation, we are going to be very specific and it's going to relate to the building, not the back office operations, not marketing, not communications, not financial reporting. We're talking about the building. And there's not two better people that, or three better people that are going to join me for this conversation. First of all, our one and only Howard Berger, who's been following this topic for at least 25 years. And Rob uh, Merchantson and Tom Shercliffe, the co-founders uh, co um, uh, and principals of Intelligent Buildings. We've been on this journey for 20 plus years. Uh, so let's bring them on and get this conversation started. It's going to be wild and woolly, no doubt. Um, guys, good to see you. <laughs> um, we're just going to continue the conversation that we had uh, in the green room. And I wish we would have recorded it because it was it was pretty good. And mm -hmm. I mentioned in the opening, you know, you can have a million different conversations on AI. We're going to try to be very specific for these next 15 to 20 minutes and focus on the smart building side of AI. And even then, th this could be a three-hour conversation, but um, uh, we're going we're gonna to try to say, you know, at the building level, walk in that door, turn on the lights, make sure it's heating, heated and cooled, secure, you know, security's in place, all the different things that AI can do. Um, that's what we're going to try to focus on today. So let's get the conversation starting with a general theme of, you know, is this AI or is this just a good iteration of, of um, uh, you know, uh, data analytics and business analytics that we've been, you know, doing for at least 15, 20 years? So, mm -hmm. Rob, let's start with you. The KPIs are the same, right? I mean, we want, you know, safe offices, efficient offices. Tell us, you know, about the KPIs that have existed forever. And are they the same or different now that AI is on the scene? Well, first of all, uh, thank you for ha having us here. But I mean, NLI still exists. <laughs> what was that? Right? 
NOI still exists, still right? Exists. Net, the net operating income of for, for so for the vast majority of commercial building owners, at the end of the day, it's about improving the 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 NOI, and um, or or if you're a corporation using the building to improve your NOI, and what what we're seeing happening is that that I, I think why folks turn to Realcom is the density of technology is increasing inside this built environment, yet. There's so many decisions that need to get made around that humans can't possibly uh, deal with all of that that data without the aid of computers. And what's changing when we talk about generative AI? Chat GPT is made you know famous here in the last year or so. Is the ability to interact with the data um, and achieve those KPIs, like improving net operating income, reducing operating expenses, occupant experience, interact with the data without having to know the intricacies of the data. Right. And that, that's, that's where the AI is making is, is perfect making segue. It's a perfect segue to the next question. And Tom, I'm going to throw this one at you. So, you know, somebody listening to this who is you know, literally one of those guys at the table writing the code uh, on these generative AI and other AI solution sets, they'd say, oh, you guys are just, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, and, and, and I, I, I'll buy some of that because I've been a technologist for 35 years. I'm, I think I'm a relatively quick study and this stuff is overwhelming. I mean, I'm having still a little bit of hard time wrapping my arms around all the different flavors, all the different applications, you know, where do you go first? Who do you work with? Who's to be trusted? There's a lot to digest in a short amount of time. But but we do keep coming back to the age old question of data. Without data, AI dies a very quick death, okay? And data is either in a file cabinet, uh, a file server. Again, we're not talking about enterprise back office stuff. We're talking about the building. So the data that that sits in the buildings, a lot of times it's a, it's it's owned by or it's collected by proprietary systems, the HVAC, the lighting, the access control, right? So so we have some data, but we don't have it a lot, and it's not as easily accessible as we may want it to be. Tom, what is the data bottleneck that we're all dealing with? Well, yeah, thanks, Jim. And first thing I would say, thanks for having us. The first thing I would say is that we should all be a little guilty on this call because for years we've all been saying you need to get the data and get the data. <laughs> it was like, why? Well, yeah. just, it's just good. Right. And, and maybe we'll find some cool things to do with it. And, and really this is something that AI I think can take some credit for because it is really the first time where you can say, as you just said, Jim, you want as much data as you can possibly get your hands on because you don't know all the good that can come of it. And AI is the first technology that can really uh, tell you things, as Rob said, you didn't know uh, right. from the data. Now, here's, herein lies the problem with your your question gets to is that people talk about large language models, LLM and all this kind of stuff. We have buildings that have data that's proprietary, not exposed, not integrated, not even connected. And you can't just jump to an LLM model because uh, we also know all of us that the contractors maintenance contracts a lot of times are in a good way strong for the owner that they're not allowed to use the, even the metadata. So we, we are already structurally prevented from like an LLM mentality inside of the building. So the moral of that story is uh, every little point that can be exposed is going to be useful. Well, so so data data bottleneck comes in a couple of different flavors. Then it comes in the flavors of it's in somebody's container that I don't have the key to. But as evidence in New York City during the pandemic, when those buildings were virtually empty, 
they the energy consumption didn't move a needle. Even the buildings that were capable of clicking the mouse and driving, the contractual arrangements between landlord and tenant said, no, you have to make sure that building is able to be accessed and, and operable, if you will. It, you know, it, it, and if you stop doing that, I'm not going to pay my rent. So there was procedural and contractual issues that, that needed to be identified in order to unleash that data, right? So there's a lot of different things holding that data back. So mm -hmm. Rob, back to you. With all these contracts and all this this legacy in place, what do we need to do now? What are the actions that owners and operators should start thinking about? And it's probably the same things we've been talking about for a long time. You know, the infrastructure in place to collect the data, put it in a place it needs to be. But what what should they do today? Well, sort of like what Tom was just talking about, we should all feel a little guilty here. Is it starts with connecting and protecting your building, because if you're going to use data and there's lots of it inside the facilities and it may be proprietary and, and it may not be and until you connect and protect it these things around big data and large language learning models all that stuff are not possible and the reality of it is that your vendors are already connecting to your buildings so why not get them to connect in a safer way so that you can then have the opportunity to be able to use that data and then think about what is possible. You always talk about the art of the possible. The art of the possible is enormous here, but it's foundationally built on the data. And, and just a quick, a quick add to that, Jim, just one of the little things that the mentality right now should be for every owner and investor, uh, that every procurement, bid, maintenance contract should be reviewed to make sure there is no impediments to their control and ownership and access to the data. Right. That's something you can do without a bunch well, of well, and, and this conversation gets pretty complicated pretty quick because, okay, so we got five, 10 different vendors accessing their, their equipment in the building via cloud, gathering the data, making AI adjustments. But when we start talking about integration and interoperability between those systems, in other words, you know, sun is out, turn the lights off or, or you know, fire, unlock the doors. I mean, that integration and interoperability between different systems with all these great AI, AI overlays can't happen if the data is not allowed to talk to each other. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. And I think I, we, Rob and I would have been advocating for a long time to our customers. Those are what you're describing as attributes, be non-proprietary, be connected, as Rob said, be cyber secure. You if you have the attributes in place, you can then take advantage of technologies you're not even planning for. Right. So, Howard, between you and these two guys, between all the great work you've done over the years on the program, the, the IBCon program, and, and all of the work we've done on smart buildings in the last 20 years, and Rob and Tom out in the streets you know, with contracts, digging into the weeds, details with these companies, in your opinion, right now, no names, do you think legitimate AI has been implemented at the building level at scale? No, 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 not at scale. And there, uh, and I mean, there, there may be a few examples here and there of, of companies that have, uh, that are pushing the envelope. Uh, they have the data, uh, they, they have the data scientists, they have the ability to be able to experiment, uh, you know, with it, but, uh, I think it's going to be a while before we see anything approaching scale. But even if you had those 
brilliant AI, you know, data scientist people in your place, you still have to go and unwind the contracts. You have to deal with vendors who may not want to cooperate. This is not a flip a switch and AI proof my portfolio, correct? I mean, this still is a complicated process. Everybody agree with that? This is about change, Howard and Jim. I, I mean, it, it is. From, from, it's, it's, a, it's a change management issue. But it, that's been the case for that's been the case for twenty years. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Although, and when it comes to this, even though it is a big change, I think it's actually in some ways a little simpler to get started. In, in other words, in, in all of our twenty-year conversation about smart buildings, you had to talk about it, you know, two systems and a use case and a thing, and you had to really get into sequence of operations, and that's all and powerful and good. But at this point, the building owner, if literally, start exposing data because the marketplace is going to well, go well, nuts. You, you have this phrase called marketplace power that you've used, Tom. What does that mean? Yeah, and what I mean by that is um, when it comes to in the building, you know, the building, this is about roles, Jim. And and I say the marketplace has a role and the building owner has a, the building owner's role is to get the attributes, be open, be converged, be cyber secure, normalize your data, own your data and be poised. And then the marketplace power is the vendors are going to leapfrog and uh, with innovation and excitement to get to that data and to, and to get to those buildings. So, and I, we would say in the building, an owner should allow the marketplace to leapfrog. You don't have to choose a horse. You don't have to build an empire, uh, be ready, have the attributes and take advantage of the leapfrog innovation. And, and, and if I could just build, build on that for a second, because I think this is a really important transition in the marketplace. Technology, for the last few decades, from a building owner perspective, whether the owner occupied or for investment, has been viewed in a lot of ways as a liability. What we're saying now is that digital infrastructure and everything that's attached to it should be treated as an asset. And the marketplace power that Tom is talking about is how do you take advantage of that from your community of vendors? Mm -hmm. Well, you, but, but, you have to switch the paradigm. But I mean, yeah. I mean, guys, we've seen, I mean, we've been around enough to know the vendors who have come in and out of our industry. Has it not always been the case that the vendors have driven the innovation? I mean, there, there are cases where an owner, operator, developer will take the initiative, but by and by 90%, haven't the, the, haven't the solution providers really been the driving force? I think, I, I think um, in a lot of the cases, the some of the best innovation that I've seen recently, it's actually been a partnership mm -hmm. between the vendors and the owners. Right. And uh, but who owns I, it? Who who owns who who's got their hands on the wheel? Well, maybe the question is who was reading the fine print to see the answer to that question, Jim. <laughs> and I think that's that's something we're going to start well, be, be, because it, I, whenever somebody makes a statement like I own that, my analogy is you got a driver who's firmly got his hands on the wheels. You got somebody in the front seat that's kind of casually paying attention, can grab the wheel if required, and then the person in the back seat's got headphones on and has no idea what's going on. Okay, Jim, the answer to your question goes back to our, literally our first years in business twenty years ago, and we were really surprised to see too many owners looking for their own strategy and PowerPoint presentations by vendors. So the answer is have a strategy, have a point of view. And you're looking for vendors to satisfy that strategy and let them innovate and leapfrog and to satisfy your strategy. So it's it is not a um, binary decision whether I sit and do nothing. You have a strategy and a point of view, 
and then look for the vendors to satisfy that. I mean, and then, usually the owner, when they're working, they're, they're, they're looking to solve a pretty significant problem that they can exactly. roll out, let's say in a landlord situation to potentially roll out in their portfolio. They need technology, a technology team to work with their own team to help them develop it, uh, work out the kinks, implement. Typically, they'll have the technology to do it. I don't think the landlord cares as much about ownership as they do having, uh, you know, uh, having first opportunity to be able to roll out a, a, a solution like that, whereas the uh, the vendor, uh, they want to they want to be able to put their name on it. Well, well, um, I asked a question on the webinar yesterday. Uh, I, I chatted it in and the question was, you know, do it does a real estate organization, especially like on the built side, on the on the smart building side, need to have AI resources internal? You know, and 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 do they and and the, and the response was yes, but then then there was a part B that said the business unit also the business um, units and their leadership also have to be a lot more aware of the differences and capabilities of AI, so they can ask the right questions. And to your point, Howard, attempt to solve the right problems. Not they can't solve all the problems. So no, I, which, I mean it's not just IT and data that that are looking yeah. at applying AI. It's 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 the business units that are that are playing a you know playing an important role. Also. Well, and Jim, you touched on something too. Anytime in any business, when there's new technology waves, you're going to have to somehow acquire domain expertise, whether it's hiring uh, or consulting or whatever that is. So I think yep. you're touching on domain expertise. No and you may what. have that domain expertise internally already uh, with seasoned professionals who've been doing facilities maintenance, you know, engineering for 30 years. You know? <laughs> so we, we, we take a quick break to, uh, to hear from one of our sponsors, but I want to get a quick answer, um, a quick answer from you guys before we go to break. You walk in a brand new building, you're walking down the lobby, you're looking at the ceiling, you just came through some beautiful glass doors, you're getting ready to get on the elevator. Tom, what's the number one application, use case, problem solved, thing in a building that AI would be great for. I just want one from each of you before we go to break. Well, only since you described a situation like that, I would say the the long, elusive, truly frictionless entry is, okay. is something that, that can uh, sequence a lot of things and also anticipate. And so that you still see people lined up at the well, that's gonna that's gonna take us to a detour on a privacy conversation. So 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 okay. Rob, okay. number one not one or number one application. I'm gonna be very general personalizing my experience. Yeah, Meaning the building reacts to you as you walk through it. Yep. Big answer. I like that. Howard? And I'm, I'm with Tom, but I will also overlay how that can be, how the data from that can be used to enhance the tenant, uh, tenant engagement, tenant so that experience. That goes to Rob. Yeah. yeah. And, and I agree. I agree on all that stuff. But the, to me, the lowest hanging fruit, like tomorrow, is the HVAC. It's it's the biggest load. It's the biggest requirement. It's the biggest impact on the planet. It's been managed with sledgehammers for a long time. And, and I think with the right infrastructure, the right data structure, the right tools, you can turn that thermostat and those lights off, just like my mom told me. It's um, funny, Jim, after 20 years, I still wonder why when I see it's going to rain outside, why do I know the building is going to be cold this afternoon? <laughs> and before you go to break, Jim, I'll say the challenge is you can't take a fossil fuel burning boiler and convert it to an electric heat pump with AI. <laughs> 
All right. 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 Yet. 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 No. <laughs> Physically cannot happen. <laughs> All right. Um, great conversation. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. Um, so we only have a few minutes left, and I want to focus a little bit on buildings AI, but I want to I want to give some context of the conversation. So 2016 was the first time we talked about AI at RealCom and IBCon. We had Anit Yardi, Nino DeCosmo from Yardi and Tritium, as well as Cole, uh, Cade Metz, who I believe was at Wired Magazine at the time, who was in the room when the Google DeepMind team beat the Korean Go champion using AI. Okay. And all I remember him saying was there was a time when the guys who programmed it, they asked each other, do you know what it's doing? And they all said, no, we have no idea what it's doing. Okay. From 2016 to ChatGBT, our industry really was not pushing us to talk about or dig into uh, uh, AI, but ChatGBT lit up the world, lit us up. Howard felt it. The program in June was filled with a bunch of AI sessions and general session conversations. So much to the fact that after the conference, Howard reached out to 60, 70 people. Do you guys want to jump on the on a call and start keep talking about this? The answer was yes. And since then, we've been doing monthly calls on our AI advisory group to try to figure this stuff out. That led us to the decision to do Buildings AI, where we're just going to try to get as many people in the room, both generalists and real estate built environment specialists, with more questions than answers. But the key is that we're going to spend eight uninterrupted hours. Not a webinar here, and I'll fit it in between my lunch there. And the goal is that we come out with another level of foundation to understand this so people moving into 2024 can start to prepare budgets and try to figure out where they're going to go with this whole topic. Tom, what are you looking to get out of Buildings AI? I mean, what, what does an event like that do for you? Yeah, I think, Jim, what it is is, is a very efficient way to, as you, you kind of alluded to this, convening a cross-section of stakeholders, right? It's not a bunch of PhDs only. I mean, you've got people running real buildings and investing and that kind of thing to establish really best practices that are not, that don't exist. There, there is an unknown. So it, it also, it sort of distills lots of conferences and the internet itself down into a, a very efficient convening of, of okay. stakeholders who can who can get uh, an outcome. And like I always say about Realcom in general, uh, what I want for people is to come out of there with what they're going to do next week about it. And I think that's that's what you'll get out of it. Yeah, because the human being is not like AI. It still has, it processes information sequentially, right? I mean, yes, we think we can multitask, but a lot of times we can't. So if I am listening to a webinar on AI while I'm doing you know, emails and, and my other job, I, the, the, what what prompted me to want to do it was just to, we're going to close the door. We're going to ask people to turn off their phones and focus so we can get rid of some of the hype and the noise and have a little better foundation. Rob, I mean, you've been at this a while. Lots of ways to exchange information. Why 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 get in a room together for eight hours? Well, I, I think it's a little bit like the days when Realcom first started, Jim. When, when technology was making its way into the built environment and we just wanted to have conversations on what was working and what was not working. Generative AI is a little different because it's gone from zero to hundred miles an hour in the span of like nine months. Yep. So it's, it's coming at us a lot faster. So being able to have the conversations around the, the hypothesis and the experiments that are taking place and hearing what's working is what's not working from a group of peers, I think is invaluable because of the conversations that, that you have that are uh, uh, accidental 
are the ones, if you will, that are going to have the most value because you can't plan this stuff. Well, and the other thing that I'm really pleased with, and a lot of it goes to Howard putting the program together, the generalists, the AI generalists who are going to be in the room, the Gartners, the McKinsey's, the SCSP's, and as well as the, the kind of people in the middle that have been in our world, but have got some of the best AI platforms in the world, i.e. Microsoft. I mean, we're going to have the person there from Microsoft who can touch the AI team and is responsible for the built environment in AEC. It doesn't get any better than that, right? I mean, as, as far as getting to the right person in the right organization. So, yeah, it's it's a bit chaotic. Uh, we're not making any promises. Um, like you said, it was early days of Realcom. We're just going to try to get the right people in the room. And Howard, you're the guy who's had to put this program together. Lightning speed, trying to lift up rocks, figure out what was real. I mean, are you okay? Everything. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, listen, it's always tough trying to put together something on a brand new topic in only 90 days. <laughs> always a bit of a challenge, but uh, I think we pulled together some good folks. And my, you know, my goal really is to, you know, clearly show uh, a lot of folks that still don't really understand what AI is, what it can do, um, kind of debunk uh, what is AI, what is machine learning, what is gen AI, what is computer vision, uh, and what do I need to do these things? What, you know, what are the, what are the building blocks? Uh, what are the options? And what, more importantly, what are some good examples of what it can do? Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, in, in addition to these generic esoteric big topics, you've got some case studies showing up, right? I mean, people are going to show us some stuff that they're doing inside the real estate environment, right? This is yeah, not solid half the program is going to be demonstrations of what we've done with AI that should really knock your socks off. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Well, guys, we went over as I knew we would, um, but you know, I, I, I really appreciate all of your experience. I mean, you guys have been at this for a while. You are are, are always been pushing innovation, but you, you also know the practical realities. We would all love it to move faster, but sometimes getting this thing to move is, is not as easy as a marketing brochure. So um, thank you so much for your long journey in the industry. Thanks for being a part of our community. Thanks for being on here today, and uh, thanks for being part of Building is Building's AI and Cortech. Um, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks for having and, us. And with that, Howard, don't Howard, don't go anywhere. You're staying. We'll just lose. So uh, Howard was part of the big conversation because he needed to be, but he also does the news. So Howard, uh, now you got to shift gears a little bit and tell us what's going on in the in the world of real estate tech. And uh, I'll be back in a few minutes. All right. Uh, well, hey, thanks, Jim. Thank you all. Uh, that was fun. It was really a great conversation. Um, and we'll, um, you know, we'll continue the talk on November 16th uh, in Palo Alto if you come to Buildings AI. Uh, so now I get a few news stories from our weekly news briefing. It goes out every Thursday morning. And if you don't see it in your inbox, just go to realcom.com and click on news. So for our first story, uh, MRI Software and Oscar just announced that MRI Agora platform is going to use the Oscar industry data model. And that's gonna help clients better integrate disparate software applications and do a lot more with their data and analytics. As we all know, without a standardized way to share data between systems, there's a lot of manual analysis, time consuming data manipulation, inconsistent formats, and really clunky integrations to have to deal with. And this IDM promises to improve these processes and provide a stronger base for effective data governance. Plus it'll enable data software developers to develop once and achieve significant savings for future integrations. 
It's also going to provide a common data model for MRI Agora Insights. Now that's a multi-source data and analytics platform that pulls data from a variety of MRI products, partners, and third-party solutions. So we're glad to see Oscar adoption in one of our most widely implemented PropTech solutions, MRI software, way to go. Now from this week's TED partner, Predict AP, which we just talked about, you saw their ad uh, on the show. And they had an article entitled, When Good Data Isn't, when good enough data isn't, why AI success demands a clean data diet. Sorry about that. Now, I've been in real estate tech for over 35 years, and I think most of us know it's traditionally been a relationship business. Slow to adopt tech, used to making big decisions with less than perfect data, which is the norm rather than the exception. Now that AI adoption is growing, especially with Gen AI, it's becoming obvious. Bad data just won't work anymore, and even the smartest AI can hallucinate when it's missing important information. So I was really impressed with this article. David Stifter, CEO and co-founder of Predict AP, in this article, he lists examples of real estate work that can be easily accomplished with AI, along with a list of the data types you're gonna need. In addition, he articulates a standard approach to getting your data AI ready. So if you read nothing else, read this article. Uh, our next story is about a digital smart screen manufacturer they recently surveyed a thousand customers on the impact of digital smart screens in retail stores, and they found some interesting results. Number one, 40, close to 45% of shoppers altered their shopping habits due to smart screens. 22% uh, were encouraged to pick up more items. Another 22% offered for different products than they originally intended. And then an impressive 84% respondents found screen content memorable with about 47% stating it's easier to spot loyalty rewards and savings. So these screens, they're altering shopping experience. They're benefiting shoppers, retails, retailers, and they're enabling brands to connect with consumers at that critical moment of buying decisions and not, not proving it out with retailers like Walgreens, Kroger, Chevron, and others. Now, finally, U.S. Green Building Council, USGBC headquarters in Washington, D.C. It's now the first project in the world to receive three platinum certs. Uh, lead uh, interior design and construction, well and true, which is not surprising from USGBC. The project is renovating 13,500 square feet space at 2101 L Street Northwest. It was previously a lead gold certified commercial building designed back in the 70s, owned by JBG Smith. And the new design received, uh, received achieved a 44% reduction in embodied carbon from the baseline. They achieve platinum and lead interior design and construction well for indoor air, water, light, fitness and comfort and true for waste management performance. About 95% of the original construction materials were reused or diverted from landfill, including ceiling tiles, ceiling grid, drywall, glass panels, hardware, millwork and terrazzo flooring. And as far as technology, the project's employing advanced network lighting controlled from the IT backbone, small VAV boxes, uh, to take advantage of filtered air, integrated occupancy center, sensors, which also automatically lower plug loads by turning them off when the space isn't uh, occupied, and automatic temperature resets for unoccupied spaces, uh, which we, we talked about in the, in about the previous uh, uh, talk, and much, much more. So this project actually does represent a new milestone in sustainable design. 
So with that, that was just a few of this week's highlights. Yeah, the, 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 the highlights, MRI continuing to do great work, not surprised. And uh, the, the second article you know, the, about data, AI, business analytics, BI, whatever we're going to call it. And I know and that is a great article. Good. Really, I would yeah. encourage everybody yeah. to read it. Yeah. But without good data, consistent, normalized, you know, at scale, AI is not going to work. It ain't worth being so that 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 whole conversation resonates over and over and over again. So, Howard, thank you. You have a great weekend and uh, hope you play a little bit of that guitar and I'll chat with you next week. Thanks, man. OK. All right. So before we wrap, let's take uh, and I'll listen to uh, from our final sponsor and I'll be back and outline next week's show. All right. Well, next week, anybody want to guess the topic? Of course, artificial intelligence. Uh, we're going to continue a couple more on this topic before leading into buildings AI. Next week, going to be phenomenal. We're going to get inside information from two real estate owner operator, the people on the streets in the buildings responsible for the real estate, for the buildings, for the portfolio. Joseph Marino, Vice President of Information Technology from Primaris REIT, and Aaron Alcher, Director of Technology uh, Initiatives for Car Properties, two very innovative companies. Two guys who are always pushing the envelope, wanting to take it over the edge. Um, they're going to tell us, talk a little bit about, um, you know, what they're seeing uh, in the industry as it relates to AI. What are they playing around with and uh, what they see that the, the next 6 to 10, 12 months looks like. So it's going to be a great show. Don't miss it. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. And with that, I wish you all a great weekend. Um, be well, and I will see you next week on Realcom Live.